0: Best Friends Stories, a podcast that is completing a family dream. Most families would celebrate something like their first generation going to university, whereas mine will be wholeheartedly celebrating the first generation meeting Balmain Tigers royalty. I refer to, of course, a man sitting patiently across from me, a man who played a decade of football, playing over 230 first-grade games. He represented City, New South Wales, and Australia, was named in the Bowman Tigers team of the century and is in the Rugby League Hall of Fame. He coached New South Wales to a winning record, coached Bowman for over 130 games, and was the West Tigers' first head coach. He was a commentator for Fox for a decade before he was appointed as one of the eight inaugural commissioners to the ARL Commission. He's had the Leichhardt's famous hill named after him. He has a song in rugby league, the musical, written about him, and his autobiography is so popular that the Bauman Library won't let you borrow it out for fear of losing it. Please welcome Wayne Junior Pearce. Big
1: T, that's a big intro. <laughs> Thanks, mate.
0: <laughs> um, the library one is the most curious. I mean, I'm sure you haven't tried to borrow your own
1: book from the <laughs> oh, library. I, but... haven't. I haven't heard of that before, oh. but... Uh... Um, it's it broke interesting. my heart. It broke my heart because been, I was <laughs>
0: trying to find it all over the internet. And well, they say you can read it, but you can't. Yeah, I can read it, leave it in the library. And I went to borrow and she said, you can't, not this one, sir, and then put it back. I was like, oh, my God, I finally found it and she wouldn't let me read it. Um, I mean, sitting in, as much as I wanted to read it, diligently reading a paragraph in the library and then going home and coming back the next day was a bit much for me. But my, my beautiful wife found it on the internet, and so I'm now the proud owner of it. And would you believe it all came about because – I was at a dinner party, and and the guy I was meeting for the first time, <clears throat> he was a Newcastle fan. But he'd read your book in high school, and he was telling me at the time it changed his life. And I was thinking, I haven't read this yet. I, I love the man. I haven't read his book yet, but there's this person's telling me it
1: changed his life. We've got to go and find it. And um, it's quite I'm funny. I, I had a guy just recently, actually, who um, who was a Tiger supporter, and he said his young young fella wouldn't doesn't hates reading books mm-hmm. uh, and doesn't do reading so. But, but, he, but he's a footies fan, so he said he had a copy of the Local Hero my, my book and gave it to him, and, and, he, and he said he wrote, read it within a very great? short period of time. So mm. I, I suppose if you, if you like footy, then that's the sort of stuff you like reading.
0: Yeah, and also it's got so much stuff in there that I can't believe was later to be true. Like there are so many things that you, you talk about, like I'd love to be in a band one day. Yeah. And you're saying that in 1992, whenever it was written, and then here we are. You're
1: in a band. That's so great. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that you um, you create your destiny by what you by what you uh, set your goals around and, right. and what you believe. So um, it, it's you know, quantum science is sort of starting to push us into that space that okay. you know, your your intentions and your thoughts are determining your destiny, but. Uh, there's a few skeptics out there, but I'm a big believer in yeah. that.
0: Well, mate, I got you here. I mean, look at you. You're sitting. You in this wall oh, oh, by, Yeah, wow. <laughs> so, fantastic, I mean, isn't it? I quantum science <laughs> into the room. Um, we organise this um, through me finding your email on your website, Wayne Pierce Advantage. Do many fans badger you that way?
1: Uh, oh, yeah, I get I get uh, quite a <laughs> few fans fans uh, contacting me uh, through that particular contact there, right. but um, it's, it's 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 not a problem. Yeah. It's mostly business contacts, but yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, people can still remember me, then uh, I'll, 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 I'll honour that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And according to your webpage, page, you're Australia's leading peak performance facilitator. Which of your previous jobs best set you up for that, being a high school teacher or, or a footballer?
1: A uh, combination, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, what I do is I go into businesses and identify the touch points around the gaps in performance. Um, the biggest gaps tend to be in the area of team performance uh, because that's the single... Building effective teams is the biggest gap in Australian business. Yeah, right. Uh, according to research that was done only three years ago of leadership competencies, it's a massive gap. So for me, that was um, that was stuff I learned over the course of four decades, really, because mm. my philosophy as a footy player was was all around the one percenters. They call the one percenters now the marginal gains. Mm. So it was all about the little things that, like, um, what what could I work on to help me gain an edge? So... Have a look at me. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much average size, average weight. Um, competing against much bigger guys, I had to try and get an edge somewhere. So for me, it was it was in being better prepared, both physically and mentally.
0: Okay. And then now as a motivational speaker, Do you, is there many links that you can see between that and football? Uh,
1: well, I mean, when people call me a motivational speaker, that's I'm actually not a okay. motivational speaker. Um, I actually go into businesses and help them become the best they can be, and help yeah, okay. people become the best they can be. Now that tends to be inspiring for a lot of people, uh, because motivation is doesn't isn't an external thing. You're, you've got that motivation inside of you. You just need to be inspired. Mm. So for me, um, that's the sort of stuff that I do, and um, it, it's it's amazing. You know, when people can find their purpose, and right. everybody has a purpose, but so many people don't find their purpose mm-hmm. because we get punched out as cookie cut cookie cutters through the education system because mm. teachers are so. So uh, pressured around the numbers that they've got to deal with, mm. uh, and it's not the teacher's fault; it's the system. Mm. Um, but people and individuals need to take it upon themselves to understand that what you learn at school is just the trajectory that starts to push you along yeah. this journey of life. It's not, it's not the complete encyclopedia of knowledge that you need to be the best you can be. Yeah. So for me, the the adult learning space, which is where I work, what I work with, is. Uh, a, a, you know, it, it's it's a compendium really of uh, of all the sort of stuff that I have, um, have done and learned over the years from when I was at university when I studied psych at university right through to um to now to now I'm yeah. I'm still I'm still doing courses I'm still reading books I'm still learning.
0: And I guess that sounds a lot like uh, great footballers. They're constantly learning. They're constantly trying to be the best
1: that they can. They're constantly trying to
0: find and motivate and inspire people around them. I
1: think it's it's not necessarily footballers. It's any high-performing athlete mm. that uh, has built their careers around um, knowledge. You know, knowledge workers and, and knowledge is really the, the key differentiator between people who are successful and those that aren't nowadays. So yeah. if if you don't continue to learn, unlearn, relearn, then you're going to you're going to miss the boat. So for me, that uh, that mantra has become pretty pretty central to my philosophy of what it takes to be successful. Yeah, right. The unlearn is an interesting part of that.
0: Um, <clears throat> you started your first grade career in 1980 when the Tigers were not winning many games per season. What other than your famous nickname were the important things you learned about yourself in that early time?
1: Um, well, if you go way back, I I didn't really. I was sort of thrown into first grade um, probably prematurely because um, you go back to um, when I was 18, which was 1978, which is a couple of years earlier. Halfway through that season, I played in a a New South Wales under-18s versus Queensland under-18s. Mal Meninga was playing for Queensland. I was playing for New South Wales. Uh, And in that game, I I got a huge cut over my eye. And in those days, they had the bucket and sponge. (laughs) Yeah, right. And so- they brought the bucket and sponge on which people would suck on the sponge and put the sponge oh, back in. And yeah. They wiped my, my my wound down with the sponge, which had been sucked Everyone's on by our, like other of people. Yeah. And then which is what they did in those days, mm. right? Taking my head up. I played the rest of the game. And then what happened was, as you would have read in the book, when you read the book, I actually um, about it was eight, ten weeks later, I just couldn't get out of bed one mm. morning and um I went to the doctors, had a blood test and I contracted hepatitis B, wow. which has to be d- contracted directly in the bloodstream. They traced it back to the bucket and sponge, mm. and as a result, a good thing came of it because the bucket and sponge was banned as a consequence yeah, of that. not that amazing? Um, because the, the doctor I went to, who was a sports medicine doctor, actually went through the c- proper channels and got it banned. And, isn't that great? And that, went, that had um, you know, a flow-on effect to other sports. But what it meant was that I was uh, – Pretty well knocked around for for like a good six months before I really could um, could really start training again. Uh, my skin went yellow, my eyes were yellow. Wow. All the bile starts flying through your system, Ugh. and it's, yeah, it was pretty and no energy. Got no energy. So, but when, but then I came back at the back end of that next season, which was nineteen seventy nine season. I played probably uh, seven or eight games at the back end of that season with my junior club. Um, and got back into the flow of things. And and at the end of that season, um, I, 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 was, I was going pretty well for the, the junior club. And we actually, the, the, the Balmain under-23s called me up to, uh, to play off the bench for them a couple of games. So I played a couple of games off the bench for them. And then the reserve grade made it to the to the uh, finals, and so I I sat on the bench for the reserve grade, not having started a game. Yeah, right. And then in the off-season, what happened was it was quite weird. A guy called Neil Pringle was the first grade lock, and he got some uh, really really debilitating illness in the off-season, so he he was going to be out of action for the next year. So what they did was they pulled me up into the first grade training squad for the off-season, not having played a full lower grade game. Yeah. Then I started the trials at lock in first grade, and I started the season at lock in first grade. So it was this really weird yes. rise, uh, which was sort of supersonic, really, because mm. I hadn't played a lower grade game. Wow! Um, at starting a at starting game, and then then I started the season with the Tigers, and then um, eight weeks later they picked the City vs Country team, and I got picked in that Correct. City vs Country yeah. team. So it was uh, it was a really it was really the
0: quick... worst luck ever out of the bucket, and yeah. then it was the best possible run. Yeah, after I, the I, I, it was.
1: So in answer to your question, you know, it, it's. Um, the the what I'd learned about about that year was that you just don't put put any um any limitations on what you're capable of achieving. Right, right. That you know, was a big thing that I learned, Um and I've really taken that that philosophy on board.
0: Well it happened over the next ten years because Bowman went from a thirty two percent win rate to seventy-six percent win rate. So what happened in that time?
1: Well, firstly I didn't know those stats, but yeah. they're pretty impressive. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. mate. Um You've done your homework. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> it sounds like I did it
1: as yeah. well. I mean, you're the <laughs> one playing every uh, game and I'm getting the credit. Love it. Yeah. No, we, um, what happened was um, we, th- th- they changed the, the, the attitude of the club changed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was, and. But how? Like, well, a guy you? called it... Frank Stanton came in. Right. Um, he was the coach. Uh, the first year he came in, we actually came last. Right. Uh, but he, he changed the personnel at the club, moved a few people on, brought some people in and he had a, an ethos which really matched mine. That was around uh, you got to put the, the hard yakker in, the hard working. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got some staff, a guy called Les Hobbs of Conditioner, who was really relentless in driving high standards. Um, and what happened was we, we just sort of – we had a really great spirit as well, like really a lot of – yeah talented players you know your Steve Roachers, your Ben Elias your Gary Jackson going on and on on mm. um, these guys just came into the fold and and um, we became a you know a really a strong force to be reckoned with yeah and so when a team changes its culture like that is it just
0: the like the day-to-day things that the staff are saying that are incremental or is it like how, how do you really change a culture like
1: that oh uh, yeah I mean it's, is it it's staff it, around Stanton yeah or? it's it's really the, the, for, it, it was the re, it was a leadership group really so yeah. it was it was um, the leadership group in the players yep. but also the staff and, and Frank kept us really yep. um, on on track to where we wanted to get to and and he was he was known as cranky Frankie <laughs> uh, because he he was being Frank Stanton's his name and uh, cranky Frankie was um, you know, he, he, he had a short fuse for those people who weren't going to step up to the standards and, right. and that's what we needed you know that's, yep. as, a, as a club bear in mind back then you worked a job So yeah. it wasn't full-time professional uh, you had a job. Um, and there was this attitude that ah oh, close enough's good enough, mm. which was an attitude in the game really, um, and he sort of pushed through that and and got us and I was already aligned with that yeah yeah, yeah. but got us all uh, on on track
0: yeah right. Now you mentioned before about your selection stuff. And you also got selected for Origin um, just in its its meteoric rise in popularity. Who do you think about immediately when you think back to those early days of State of Origin? <clears throat>
1: Um, I mean, as a young kid, um, that first year, 1980, was the first year State of Origin mm-hmm. started. That was my first year in first grade, and I can remember the Arthur Beetson, um, you know, scenario where he came into State of Origin and clocked his teammate uh, Michael Cronin. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah th- that that for me was was um, very symbolic of what what Origin was about. But but in those days, none of us like none of us had any concept of what it was going to become. Right. Uh, decades later, because mm. you know the first game was played at Leichhardt Oval, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and, yeah. and it was, um, it was, it, it was something that the rugby league pinched off the Aussie rules. The Aussie rules were doing really? had, that, had that concept. They threw it away. They they couldn't make it work. Oh no! But I, I mean, rug, hooray, rugby, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but rugby league uh, really bought into it to the point where it is the, the genuine Super Bowl really yeah. In, yeah. in in Australia nowadays, and it's the most watched televiz- television television. Show so in Australia, in Australia, yeah, yeah, still. Yeah. And is
0: it Queensland? Like, is it because Queensland really bought into it, and that's... it's interesting. Um,
1: those early years where Queensland really dominated, Queensland took it a lot more serious. Yeah, their players went into camp, uh, for like nearly a full week. They went into camp a lot longer than what the, the New South Wales players did. Right. So when I first played Origin, I played Test matches before I played Origin. But yeah. when I first played Origin in '83. Um, we played on the weekend, and then went into camp the next day and played on. I think it was a Tuesday or Wednesday. I can't remember, but basically had a couple of days training. Yeah, right. And that's it. Whereas the Queenslanders went into camp the following week, they played with their clubs, and they went back into camp. Yeah, right. Um, the first time that New South Wales had a, took it really fully seriously was when we had the full week long camp, and that was uh, 1985, and that's the first year we won. Yeah, terms. right. So there was no coincidence that mm. you know when we really had the, the support to, to prepare mm. adequately and match Queensland in preparation that we were able to match them on the field. And we betted them. We did better them, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: now, thinking back uh, uh, about those Queenslanders, is there someone that you can remember like thinking you needed to target or that you were particularly worried about during like, your series? This is...
1: um, well, obviously Wally Lewis was a, was a guy that was, uh, you know, he he, he he was really stepped up. He sort of owned origin. Mm-hmm. Um he was a key guy for for Queensland, um, and you know, outside of him, the Queenslanders had a really strong um, had a strong backline. Um, they, in fact, that was their strength was was their their backs. Their forwards were were were, were strong and solid, um, but they were really threatening out wide. And um, but Wally was the he was the absolutely the, the man that dominated Origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah right, and you coached Origin a decade later. <clears throat> what was
0: the biggest differences you could see between Origin from your experience as a player and the experience as a coach?
1: Um, from the point of view of, of preparation, it's 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 well, it's different. Origin is different uh, in terms of preparation from club footy. Absolutely, um, it, at club footy, you've got to take your players on a journey. Right, uh, you've got to take your players on a journey of of uh, not only connecting with each other but understanding what type of football you need to play um, where their roles are and, and develop them individually as well mm. um, but with origin football you haven't got that time you've got them in you got them eight days in camp so the priority has to be getting them to connect and bond together uh, giving them the belief and giving them um, a framework a really like a, a pretty basic game plan you can't get too complicated in origin because you haven't got the time yeah and working to the strengths of your players. So what would what would a basic just off the
0: top of your head what would a basic game plan have been for you? Kick to corners, you know,
1: pressure. Like what, what, uh, are, you, what are you telling them? Well, I mean, it's it's really um, in, in terms of it was it's really about playing the, the you got to identify the key players yeah. that you're playing against. Yeah. So um, from the perspective of of um, Queensland, they. They had, they were going through a bit of a transition period yep. too when I coached. Um, so I, I coached Origin from 99, 2000, sorry, 98, sorry, 99, 2000, 2001. Um, and the, the preparation for Origin there had really massively shifted right. from when I was playing. Yep. Um, so in terms of um, 98, so we, when I took over, we, we lost the previous series in 98. Um, and then for me, my real focus uh, in, in Origin Camp was on, on getting the players connected and, and trusting each other, mm. getting that spirit. And that's pretty much still the, the, the main the, the main yeah. f- piece you've got to get done and, and, and get that right up front. And um, to do that. I, I sort of had a bit of an idea about taking the guy's horse riding and it didn't quite work out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. so that, and... Uh,
0: had you been horse riding before?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I floated past a few of the players um, and it, they, they thought, that's yeah, a great idea, have a bit of fun, yeah. we'll get to understand each other a bit better. Um, for those people that don't know, uh, two of the players in my team fell off the horse. <laughs> Horses, uh, well, actually, I'll tell you the story because it's actually quite fun, quite interesting. So we, we were, the we've gone to uh, the, the horse riding place up in the Blue Mountains, booked it all, and we got there and and the, uh, the people who were um, organising it sort of said, okay, those people haven't ride, ridden, you want to go over here and the other guys go over here. And the ones that hadn't ridden, they were walking their horses around yeah, okay. like some other track. They were going separately. yeah, And then those that had ridden, we were on a, On a, um, on the horses just jogging around, all that sort of stuff. And so what happened was we met at a particular point with the guys that couldn't ride. And the girl, the lady who was, um, who was, um, from the ranch says, Well, we'll all walk back. And a couple of the guys said, Oh, no, why don't we just, why can't we just meet them back? No, no, we're just all going to walk back. Well, you know, that's. Good in theory, but anyhow, we get we start walking back, and then a couple of the guys saw this nice, beautiful hill like a man from Snowy River. Right? Oh, right, went went forever up up to the to, to the to the sunshine, basically. Yeah, to and be then cowboys. they took off, they took yeah. off, and then a couple of other to- horses took off. I took off, and then as horses do, they follow each other. So the oh, horses no. took off with the blokes that couldn't ride on oh, them. No, <laughs> so so they've taken off. Anyhow, I get up the top of the hill and, um, you know, I've got, got the man from Snowy River hat on and <laughs> waving it around. And then I look around and two horses come up with no one on them. And uh, anyhow, I've oh, gone on now. And we actually invited the cameras along, the television cameras. And all that sort of stuff because because every, all the cameras, all the journos were saying, oh, this is great. They're getting them out of the pub. Because prior to that, they were doing yeah. the pub crawl sort of bonding sessions yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, no, let's get it out of that. So the, so the journos invited along. So they all got this great vision, or not so good yeah. vision. yeah, yeah. Um, and poor old um, Robbie Kearns yeah. uh, was was ruled out of the, out of the origin, and Bradley Clyde. So two of our two of our better forwards. But anyhow, a cut long story short. Out of that, we um, we we did actually come together and and um, really bond off the back in of the that. hospital. We everybody yeah. bonded <laughs> together. <laughs> but yet- uh, we we ended up uh, drawing the series that year, mm. and then off the back of a little bit better preparation the next year. <laughs> <laughs> and and rather than uh, do horse riding, I think we actually walked over the harbour bridge or something. Or right, something a little bit less, less dangerous. Walking <laughs> over the harbour bridge.
0: Unbelievable. <laughs> but uh, was that the whitewash one? Because I think you're the only player
1: and coach to have played in a whitewash and then coached a whitewash. Yeah, that was a whitewash <laughs> year in two thousand. Yeah, it was. Um, it was an unbelievable uh, experience to to coach Origin uh, with those that bunch of guys that were so close and and you know we put fifty six points on on uh, Queensland in that third game and it was which which allowed us to win three nil. That scoreline I saw again on the weekend day, eh? so six yeah, points. It. <laughs> so I'm thinking, gee, well that's a lot of points. Yeah. Um, now thinking back to when you were playing, if there
0: was a player that you could have taken back from the New South Wales team, the the players that you played with in Origin, you could have taken back to Balmain, which player do you really wish you could have taken back?
1: Uh the team that I coached, or the team that I played with—well,
0: you choose. If there's someone in there that's that's ringing in your ears right now, you really want to take back to the Tigers.
1: Um, I mean Brett Kenny was 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 uh, a guy that I think was would have made an amazing difference to any team, yeah, including the Tigers that I played at and coached. at. um, you know, I don't think Brett gets as as many accolades as right. he probably deserves because. Because of Wally Lewis, okay. But bear bear in mind on on the eighty two Kangaroo tour, Wally Lewis was relegated to the bench uh, because Brett Kelly was playing so well. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, Brett was was probably the guy that I would um, invest in if I was, uh, <laughs> yeah, if I if I had that at my time again in that space. Yeah.
0: And what about? Does he also get overshadowed a bit because of Sterlow, Do you think? Because um, yeah, now maybe such a big maybe. Person.
1: I I'm well. Actually, Stirling's the best player. I think that I've played with or against. I, really? I, yeah, I, I would rate rate him uh, the best player because he's consistent. Like, okay. You know, there's there's a lot of other players that have that, got great reputations, but they weren't as consistent as Sturlo. Sturlo was was um, made the people around him look good. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, I think that's a sign of a, of a, of a really good half. You've got some halves that, 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 are, that are strike halves. They've got speed and step and all that sort of stuff. But Sterlo was the sort of guy that would be thinking one or two plays ahead of where you were. Mm-hmm. and. And everyone else was looking good, um, but yeah, him and him and Brett Kenny together were the reason why Parramatta won those competitions. Yep.
0: and he still is now one of my favourite people to listen to talk about football. He's just so oh yeah, he's, he's so switched on. He's very
1: and, very smart. Mm. He he's he does his homework and um, stays up to up to speed on on. Yeah, what the trends are in the game.
0: Mm. He didn't know probably the stat I brought up before. Let's not remember. Let's no, I tell you what, well, that's a very that's good a stat. List. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, <clears throat> speaking of Balmain, they currently exist as a merge club, West Tigers. How are you? What are your feelings towards the club these days?
1: Oh no, I'm, I'm very, um, very connected to to the club. For me, that's the, 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 It's the offspring of what the Balmain yeah. Tigers were and 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 what the Western Suburbs Magpies were. So. You know the, the tig- Balmain Tigers were the, were one set of parents and I, uh a parent I should say. So for me, um yeah, no, I'm I'm they're, they're they're my club. Obviously, I've got a got a soft spot for Newcastle, yeah, with Mitchell yeah. Mitchell being there as well. Um But yeah, the the West Tigers, uh you know, massive support base, and and, and, and I mean, I just don't quite get those people that sort of say, I oh, you know, I was a Balmain Tigers fan, and you know, when the Balmain Tigers. Finished. I couldn't follow rugby league anymore because, at the end of the day, the fact is that I was coaching the uh, yeah. Balmain Tigers when well, they became merged. West Tigers, mm. and I know what the balance sheet was like, and it wasn't very good, mm. and um, the club was was not going to be able to survive right. if it didn't join into join um, with Western Suburbs. Mm. And did um do you get to watch many games now? Yeah, to yeah, it, I, 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 yeah, I. I I get out to, to games whenever I can. I yeah. went down to training um, um, just before the last round during the week and watched the boys training. And the, Michael Maguire's got a great energy with Does the team. He? And the, the team were bouncing around. You know, it was a little disappointing, um, the performance in the last round. But, you know, there's he's had a lot of injuries this year, Madge, and, um, you know, I, th- I think he's done done a remarkably good job. Great. And I have no doubt that the club's on the up.
0: Oh, great. Well, that's great. I take your your ideas very seriously, so that's great to hear. Now, you, you mentioned before you've got a soft spot for Newey. <clears throat> do you get to watch many? Do you watch all
1: of his games? Or what do you do? I with get to whatever games I can do, yeah. So yeah. it's, um, yeah, I will get pretty much all our home games up in Newcastle yeah. or if they play Sydney games. Uh, yeah, I get to go and watch whatever I can. I, I like to watch them live rather than on television.
0: Yeah, right. And I have a baby, and so I'm desperately trying to in- – Indoctrinating him into rugby league. One disadvantage he has, though, is that I was terrible at football um, when I was playing in high school. And But I have noticed that most first graders who have a kid end up being great at football. And I'm trying to work out is it just because they're a huge amount of exposure to rugby league as a kid, or are you giving
1: him tips over the breakfast table, or what's going on? Um, I can't speak for other people, but I know in Mitchell's case, um, he was, it, it, it wasn't something that, that, I deliberately wanted him to do. Okay. Uh, in fact, I, quite the opposite. I, <laughs> I actually, um, he was playing. He played soccer from the age of six, and every year he would ask, "Could he play rugby league?" Okay, and would say, "No, no," because I, I wanted him to try other sports. He played tennis as well, and you know, he did a little athletics, and he was good at all those sports. But he got to the age of eleven. And I thought, "Oh, he's uh, <laughs> can't keep saying no to him." <laughs> yeah, he's got he got to have a crack, and and straight away because he he developed um, good motor psychomotor skills from the other sports. Uh, he naturally took to the league really well.
0: Yes, but and, Junior, why is he asking for league from the age of six? Like, is it because he's seen you there and it, like
1: he's just... Well, I think he, he can't remember me as a player, but he, he certainly can as a coach and he was a ball boy oh, for the Tigers right. when You're I was right. coaching for for a few years there. But, you know, I used to go through videos um, at home back in those days. We yeah. didn't have all the technology like now, so I had to go through videos and prepare clips for the players and stuff like that and... And he go, Dad, what, what what did you do that for? What? So I, he, ah. I explained a whole lot of stuff to him, um, not 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 in too much detail yeah, yeah, yeah. because he asked too for many a questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that's I think that's part of it. Um, and I think it, it's, it depends on the nature. He's got a very competitive nature. He was he was a, nas- a national 800 meter runner. Oh wow! Uh, at little athletics when he was eleven. Um, so yeah, he, he just had that competitive nature. So I I can't speak for other parents. Yeah. Though.
0: Yeah. But at 11, he, you put him in and he's just naturally just yeah, a, yeah, Yeah,
1: so what happened was he, he had a very good year that first year, so then what we did was each year after that we played him a year above his age. Oh, right. Yeah, so. so it's like putting weights be, on him and then getting yeah, him to swing a bat. Well, wow. To be competitive. Well, yeah, because he was he was just dominating in his age group record, so we put him a, played him a year up. Oh, I love and, that. Uh,
0: You're and, the best type of parents because usually they'd leave him there to be the MVP or whatever and drown everyone, but you went. Yeah, no, 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 but,
1: no, but, but yeah, no, he um, – yeah, but he he, he he I think that helped his his development. Yeah,
0: because you're in age groups up until recently. You're in age groups up until 20, and then you're supposed to go into first grade. Style. Yeah, I
1: mean it's it's you know like you see some of these big kids mm. that play in the juniors, the massive big kids, and they they're, they're obviously just tearing through kids their own age like If you're serious and you think that young young fellas that size and, and wants to have a career in rugby league, then play them up at age yeah, so they can actually learn to develop more skill because yeah. as a youngster, if you developing skill, the strength's not going to get you there as you get older. And that yeah. was one of the things with Mitchell from very young age. Uh, worked with him. Not that I was very skillful, but because <laughs> because, I, because I because I didn't actually develop the, the skills as a young kid. Um, I wanted Mitchell to develop the skills. Right, right. right and um, yeah, he's a very talent, very skillful player. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, now uh, thinking about spending time in and around football, if you could choose anyone to go to a game with, who would you want to go with?
1: Uh, I'd probably like to um take Bill Clinton or Neil Armstrong oh, yeah? or someone of those, yeah, you know, one of those Americans along who are quite famous and just explain what this um what this game of rugby league is like. What do you think, Bill Clinton? You would guys think? are you guys are mad, yeah, man? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And to I mean, I think uh, the only problem is that they have such an incredible spectacle. Have you been to the states and seen sport there? Yeah, it's, yeah, I have. Yeah. Oh my god, it is another yeah. level. Um, I have. It's so. I mean, if you're going to take
1: him, you'd, you'd, you'd probably take him to an Origin game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then and then they they probably get the atmosphere.
0: Yeah. Now I'd take Gary Freeman because he seems like a massive laugh and a great
1: football brain. You were playing with him. in-, in Well, hang on a sec. You obviously don't know Gary Freeman very well. <laughs>
0: Not very well. If you
1: took Gary Freeman to a game with you. And he sat on your left-hand side. Your left ear would be absolutely <laughs> bruised. He does not shut up. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, but anyhow, go on. Keep going. <laughs> he, I mean, you were
0: having to play against him while playing with him. He was playing for New Zealand while you were playing for Australia, I think, in the 88, 89.
1: What was that like? Well, if you can have a look there, i got a chipped tooth.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah,
1: so I tackled him. listeners. I tackled him in, in um yeah, it's a bottom tooth in the front there. It's a chipped. Uh, I tackled him in the test match in 88. And next thing you know, he rips out his boot and, and his stud goes smack bang and chips off a bit of my tooth. No, and I said, "Where's you bleep bleep bleep?" Yeah. Oh, junior, I didn't know it was you. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I said, "Mate, look." <laughs> Anyhow, but he's uh, he was an he was a really super competitive yeah. um, player. Um, he was he was great for the club and and great for New Zealand Rugby League as well. So yeah, I mean, he, I, we're still good. All all the guys in in that team were still really good mates because. Uh, we built such a strong uh, understanding of each other and respect for each other. Yeah. It just endures.
0: Yeah, right. Um, now, while we're talking about past grades, consider another scenario. If you could travel through time back to any game, which game do you really wish you'd seen?
1: Um, did you throw all these questions at me without any... any uh... Notice. Notice. Oh, didn't I?
0: These ones, no, I sent
1: these ones to you, Junior. You sent the email to me, but I didn't read it. I've no. been busy. <laughs> <laughs> You picked up one of my errors at the beginning, but you didn't read the rest. Um, Actually, to be honest, I'd I'd love to go back and watch the first ever game of rugby league at Grove Oval. Yeah. You know, just to get a sense of what it was like. And um, it was obviously a really different game back then in terms of the the speed of the game and unlimited tackles and lots of stuff. But that, I think, would be uh, a really good... Opportunity to see just how much the game has developed over the years.
0: Yep. and also that harbour would also look so insanely different now to then as well. There'd be like that that whole area would be an incredible place to sit for yeah. an hour or so with
1: all those. Houses oh, absolutely. Sit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Football North side. Sydney, for example, used to come come To Burst Gravel to play on the ferry because wow, there was no harbour bridge, yeah, no glazeville wow. bridge, yeah, yeah, no bridges. <laughs>
0: um, I mean, I, I although I watched this game, I'm only bringing it up because I want to hear you talk about it. The 2005 grand final, I mean, and I try and sit myself right in the front row of the, of the sideline to watch Benji do that flick pass. Yeah. Where, where were you for that game?
1: Um, I was, I was in one of the boxes, okay, yeah, so I was out there. I actually um, was doing some corporate entertainment, so I, I um, was watching in one of the one of the corporate boxes out there, and, and it was just, like, it was just amazing. Yeah, and went back to the club after the game, and the you know, up, Victoria Road was blocked going west, and uh, it was just, yeah, it was just one of those uh, one of those things that uh, I just, uh, yeah, um, for me, it, it it posed the question. Uh, of what could have been if we end up oh, winning, winning back in, in 88 and 89. I'm trying yeah. to avoid that desperately, my friend. I uh, know, uh, yeah. But uh, but no, it was it was a great, great experience, great experience, yeah.
0: And so that really does make you reflect at that time. You're watching that grand final, you're part of the euphoria, and still
1: you can't help reflecting on what could have been. Yeah, well, the funny thing is a lot of us had never watched the 89 grand final. Mm. And then in 2005, News Limited had this idea, well, the Tigers are in the grand final, the week before the grand final, they they rallied up as many of us as they could that had played in the grand final. Yep. And we they put, they have got a little theater over <clears throat> on their premises over at Surrey Hills and they put the game on and we just sat in there and had something to eat and we watched the game. Mm. And I couldn't believe how fast the game was. Yeah. Right. I, this is like, yeah. You know, was that however many years later? It yeah. Was. yeah. And um, I'm thinking, wow, it was, it was amazing. So that was, that was the first time we'd, um we sort of watched it back, but, and was it cathartic? Did it help watching it or did it just make it? Yeah, no, it did actually. Yeah. It did, yeah, yeah, it did. Because, you know, the things in the game that you ruminate on and, yep. and when you look at it you think, oh well, yeah, it's that that it could have happened, but this, this happened instead. So yeah. um yeah, no, it was it was good therapy good therapy. Yeah. Have you ever spoken to Terry Lamb? Yeah, yeah, since then. um, That was eighty-eight grand final. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, so in the eighty-eight grand final, when he took out Elry Hanley, that was a that was actually it was a key moment. A lot of people don't realise what a key moment it was because um, you know the game was pretty pretty tightly balanced at that particular point. And not long after that, um, I I made a break on the right hand side and I came to the fullback and I looked for support. There was no support there, Mm. and um, Elry would have been there for for sure. sure. Would have been a try and. But uh but, I mean 88 wasn't so bad f- for us players because um we came th- from a midweek playoff to get into the finals because back right. in those days what <clears throat> happened was um nowadays if you back then there were uh I think it was the top 5 maybe or Yeah, that sounds um, about right. Yeah, if if you were equal fifth then you had to play off midweek. Oh, it wasn't oh wasn't for and against. Mm. So there was an extra game. So we played the extra game midweek and then um, we we won each each of the semis games right through, got to the grand final. So we got there, and we hadn't been there before. So yeah. that, it, whilst it was disappointing to lose, it wasn't as devastating as the following year. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Knowing then that Canberra was going to be a dynasty, does that help?
1: Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Back in, two, in 2005, when we looked at the game, you look yeah. at the quality yeah. of players that they Ed, had. I mean, I, we counted them up. There was something like 21 players on the field that day, uh, from both teams yeah. when you had them all up that went on to play for Australia Oh, uh, either had played for Australia or went on to play for Australia yeah right um, and so the, the standard was just amazing and yeah. a lot of those young blokes from Canberra um, that were just coming on at, like the Bradley Clydes of the world and the Laurie Daly's and mm. so on um, and Ricky Stewart so they, they went on to to become Hall of Famers yeah 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 and while we're on Canberra do you think they're going to win this year? well I mean, it's, it's that's a great thing about this year. It's, the great thing about rugby league is it's, yeah. it's anyone's game. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you saw what Parramatta did yeah. yesterday, <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it really is on your day. That's the thing about it nowadays. With, with coaching is you can do all the, you can have the best game plans in the world, but if the players just aren't switched on, aren't, yeah. aren't at peak psych, then um, they're they're not going to be not going to be in there. So I mean, it, it is honestly. Uh, going to be a really open, open affair. Mm.
0: Okay. So let's move, uh, uh, back into from nostalgia back into here, reflecting on your playing career, your coaching time, watching your son play the time you've spent in the commission. What would you say is your greatest rugby league memory?
1: Um, without doubt playing for Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, on the, my first, my best memory is, is the first test match that I played in England, um, on the 1982 Kangaroo Tour, I got picked to go away as a back backup uh, to Ray Price because they took 28 players away on the tours that lasted for 11 weeks. Yeah, well, and so they uh, they took me away as a as a second string lock, and, and Frank Stanton, who was my club coach. Was the the um, he was the Australian coach as well. And funny, it funny the the team was announced on Grand Final night. We weren't in the Grand Final that year, but our reserve grade team was. Right, so we we're at the club. Celebrating the, the reserve grade grand finals performance. Uh, it was, yeah, uh, celebrating the reserve grades performance, and then um, Frank came over and did not give me any any idea in the in the weeks leading up to wow. it that I was even in consideration. Yeah, mm. so I I booked my, a ticket to go to Hawaii because I'd never been to Hawaii before. It was yep. on the end of season trip with the team. Yeah, and uh, he came over and whispered in my ear that I was going to be on the team in the team. And so anyhow, which was which was just a. Um, a dream come true. Yeah, the best but, reason not to go to Hawaii. Would exactly. Be, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> and then, um, and then, but what happened was I, um, um, so I went away with the team, but I didn't expect to play in the test match. Mm. But Frank gave me a, a run in a couple of warm up games, and I got a man in the match, and I played quite well in those. So, so he found a spot for me in the second row, and then I played this for the test match. And not only did I score a try, but I got man of the match in wow. my first test match. So wow. I remember standing there before the game, thinking of of um, the achievement and and all the people that had helped me get to get to there. Yeah, right. And I had tears coming down my cheeks because like, this is on the field before yeah. I played. So I was in this really um, really amazing headspace when the kickoff came and the rest just unfolded. Yeah. Wow. Yeah magical
0: now the vast majority of fans don't play and their um their favorite memories are of watching
1: people do things so why do you think this game is so popular I think there's a there's a lot of reasons I think um, it's a community game firstly and that is that um, the game at the grassroots level th- it, it can only thrive when you have people volunteering to coach teams volunteering to drive kids to footy matches yep. all this sort of stuff so I mean, that is part of it. There's lots of sports like that. So you then eliminate the other sports. Why other sports? Well, not as many sports, very few sports require the courage and mm. um, character that rugby league does mm. because you, you, you've got to physically put yourself on the line. When you you, you go in to play rugby league, there's every chance you're going to suffer a, an injury or a bruise or um, something or other, which – some people just don't want to do that. Mm. Um, there's also the big thing around um, working for your mate, your teammate, and people like that in society. People yeah. want to know that other people are there to help them. And in rugby league, that's what the game's built around. You know, you're going to cart the ball up for me and you're going to get bash and play the ball quickly mm. so that I can actually... Um, yeah, have another I can, run. At, I, yeah, I can, yeah, or I can score a try or yeah. I can find a bit of a space. So it's about making sacrifices for each other as yeah, well. Right. Um yeah, I mean, there's 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 a whole lot of, I think, elements, and uh, notwithstanding the fact that it's it's a really good spectacle. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good spectacle. If you're open minded, um, and then I, for example, State of Origin. If you're open minded, I I I don't know why you wouldn't watch State of Origin. Yeah, you know, I, I watch the Melbourne Cup. I'm not a horse racing person yeah. because I'm open minded. Yeah, um, and I watch you know, a lot of big big sports that are mm. big events. I wouldn't normally watch their week to week competition. But uh rugby league is yeah, it's a really good spectacle. What about um you're absolutely
0: right about South of Origin. There's so many people I know who don't watch it week to week, but we'll stop there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Finally, Junior, why do you love rugby league? What does it have that has tied you to it for your entire
1: life? Um the there's it was it was a uh, anchor that at a difficult period in my life, when my father died when I was fourteen, mm. that the community—and this is probably why another reason why people like rugby league—the um, rugby league community got behind me and my family and supported us through a really tough period. And that um, th- that sense of um, identity that that it gave me, and the confidence that came from the success. That I had in rugby league um, meant that you know I sort of pursued that as a as a um, wasn't wasn't a vocation because it yeah wasn't full time but as, as a as a um, journey mm. to see how good I could go in it and then when I finished playing um, I I really didn't have uh, a, a definite desire to want to coach i didn't really see that as as something i wanted to do but the longer I, I was out of the game after um sort of 18 months out of the game it, it started to to become um, a, a driver for me right. and and then the opportunity arose that i got to coach and then when i finished coaching um i i, I didn't want to go full-time into the media for me i wanted to I wanted to develop the other business that I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but whilst I was developing that and skills around that, knowledge around that, I was just commentating part-time, knowing that I didn't want to go full-time into commentary. And then uh, the opportunity arose to be, become one of the inaugural uh, commissioners of rugby league. So I had to step down from the commentary and uh, because of the conflict there. Okay. And then um, took up a role on the commission and – for me, that's that's about giving back to the game. Because, yeah, right. You know, it, it's been so good to me um, and taught me so many lessons over a lifetime. Mm. Wow. Um, thanks,
0: Junior. <laughs> what an incredible incredible 40 minutes, however long it's been. Um, do
1: you have any other additional comments before we wrap up? Um, no, no, just thanks to all those people that have, that have supported me and, and um, been part of the journey because – I mean it's it still amazes me you know like kids come up and want to get photographs and, and like they weren't even born mm. um they probably weren't even their parents were probably young when I was <laughs> <laughs> when I was uh playing rugby league so but you know they there's this sense of um respect for what's gone before mm-hmm. and I think that's that's something that's rugby league is uh has that other sports don't necessarily have mm. and that's I think um, another reason why the game tends to connect yeah uh, at that community
0: level well I can tell you that the the Terry Lamb and the 89 Canberra teams were like childhood stories and um, I'm that same generation we have a photo of you this is embarrassing but we have a photo of a black and white photo of you in my child's room where you're dejected on the on the ground at like I think you're actually at the cricket ground. But it's about persistence and resilience. And so like you've just become a beacon of that for Baumane people or, or rugby league community. Um because also I've been talking now to people for thirty years about rugby league and I haven't heard anyone ever once say a bird word about you, which is also incredible now I think about it. So um you're you're an excellent member of that historical thing and, and the respect obviously is permeates through generations. That's so incredible. Yeah well-
1: a lot of those people probably don't know me that well, yeah, hey? no, I, yeah, That's true. <laughs> Ask my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a few bad words to say. <laughs>
0: um, I'd quickly like to thank Mercho, our wonderful producer, who makes everything sound great. I'd also like to thank Andrew Ferguson, who runs the Rugby League Project website, which helps me provide um, those statistics and, and other bits of research. Um, enjoy your sport for another week, and we'll talk to you next time, sports best friends.
1: Um, Yeah, it's a bottom tooth in the front there. It's a chipped. Uh, I tackled him in the test match in 88, and next thing you know, he rips out his boot and and his stud goes smack bang and chips off a bit of my tooth. No. I said, where's you? Bleep, bleep, bleep. Yeah. Oh, Junior, I didn't know it was you. (laughs) Sorry, mate. (laughs) I said, mate, look. (laughs) Anyhow.